1: Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark, and I want to thank our sponsor, AKG, for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. The Lira mic and the headphones are a great way to start your own podcast if you've ever wanted to do that. It's incredibly affordable and so easy to use. Now, I was lucky enough to have John Barrett of Drum of Death join me. He talks about growing up in Oxford, Mississippi, and how old Miss sports can be very frustrating. And after moving into a house in Oxford that ended up being home to several bands and a recording studio for his first two albums, he moved to New York City. And that really had an impact on his songwriting, one that some of his fans weren't so happy about. But John also had a great way to vet the production team on his last full-length album. But when COVID started to shut things down, John moved back to Mississippi and started a Twitter beef with Eve 6 that didn't end exactly how anyone expected it to end. But beyond Twitter beasts, John's also been busy working on a new Bass Drum of Death album. He's hoping to have it ready to go before too long. So follow him on social media at Bass Drum of Death, or just go to bassdrumofdeath.com to get updates or buy the band's albums. Follow us at Performance Anx, and you can help support the show at performanceanx.threadless.com or ko-fi.com/slash Performance Anxiety. Let's get this conversation started with John Barrett of Bass Drum of Death on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast
2: Network. Hey, it's John from Bass Drum of Death, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety.
1: Hey, man, I appreciate you doing this, man. This is awesome.
2: Absolutely, yeah. No, no worries. Yeah, sorry about that. I was, uh, I was in a movie. I went. I finally went and saw the new James Bond movie. Oh. And I was looking at it, and I was like, "Man, this shit's long as fuck." So I'm gonna have to hustle to get back. <laughs> to the house in time so uh, <laughs> no
1: worries man no yeah. worries i was kind of shocked when you were like hey yeah let's do it i was like Oh,
2: i can't right now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i guess I, I think it was one of those mornings where like i think so i got a uh, I have a new puppy Oh, and so this, this puppy really, uh, you know, so they, she really doesn't care what, what I do the night before. She still wakes me up at six 30 every morning. <laughs> so on a, on a couple of days a week, we take her to uh like a daycare situation. So then a couple of days a week, I'm like up in the morning and I'm like, well, now what do I do? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> this, like, I don't have this like little, you know, nugget to look after it so um yeah oh yeah i was like yeah i want to do it let's do a podcast i got i got time you know well so, um,
1: don't forget we're gonna yeah. be singing a song at the end of this okay <laughs> <laughs> when there's some italian podcast that wanted you to sing with them or something at the end
2: oh yeah they wanted yeah there was something uh yeah they wanted to do something and like they had the rights to it or something i forget what it was it was uh that's ballsy man it, it was really strange yeah and um yeah, I'd have to go back and look to for exactly what it was, but it was really, you know, it was really strange. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, I, that's
1: that's that's pretty uh, pretty ballsy. Hey, yeah, I want you to come on my show, sing a song, and I have the rights to do it.
2: Right? That's, yeah. That... yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure how that works, but I mean, good on. I mean, um, yeah, good on them if they can get people to do it. I guess. I, don't I don't wonder know. how many people know. actually do. Yeah, I, I don't know you yeah, will have to go back and look. It's probably good. Like, I don't I don't mean to blow them up, but uh, it's probably good that I don't remember the name of yeah. it. So, so yeah, probably. I'll have to go. Uh, yeah. I'll have to go, I'll have to go look back and check it out and see exactly what it is. I'm sure it's like not anything crazy or anything. I, I just, it just struck me like weird.
1: Yeah. It know. does sound a little weird. Yeah. So
2: you're currently back in Mississippi now? Yes. Okay. Um, kind of moved. Um, I was in New York for seven years and then I like, came down here once COVID started in New York and I was like, yeah, I'll just, you kind of wait it out down here and, you know, hopefully it, everything, you know, kind of clears up and, you know, here we are almost two years later. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was, it was kind of time. Like I'd been, I'd been kind of thinking about getting out, out of New York anyways. And, uh, so it was just kind of a good time to, to make a move. and. Yeah, it's been good. So I've just kind of been spending the whole time, like uh, making a new record and going through the process of that. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been really good.
1: What got you into music in the first place? You're you're from Oxford, Mississippi, which is a big college sports town.
2: Yeah. I'm actually watching an an Ole Miss basketball game right now. Oh man, nice. (laughs) Who are they playing? It's like, like they're playing Marquette. Um, So... Yeah. So, um, but I can, I can do two things at once, especially when it's Ole Miss sports, you know, you never, you never want to pay too much close attention yeah. <laughs> to it because then, then things start going wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys are riding the lane train into, I don't know what Yeah, you, you no, got-
2: it's, it's been a good year. I'm trying to, you know, trying to just knock on wood and hope we keep it going. But, um, yeah. So I guess originally, like I was in bands and stuff like, I had like electric guitars and I was in like little bands with friends and stuff like all through like middle school and high school and stuff. And we actually had a band. We played, we play a bunch of like high school parties and stuff. And I think we actually ended up like saving all of our money from shows. And we like bought a van when we were like 17, which is (laughs) crazy. Yeah. uh, And we went on like a little tour. Yeah. So I was kind of doing stuff like that. And, um, You know, then I went to college and, you know, still had that kind of high school band that kept going on, but I kind of wanted to, it was just, everybody was kind of scattered because everybody was like different ages and going to different schools. And I kind of wanted to start doing stuff by myself. So I started just like, I was living with my roommate at the time. He just had uh, just a bass drum that was sitting in uh, like a spare room. So I started just playing guitar and pounding on the bass drum and like singing singing at the same time so that's oh, kind of wow. how it all started but yeah i mean the whole goal for me initially was just to be able to play shows and like drink for free and <laughs> underage so, <laughs> so you know i never really thought uh never really thought about it uh much more past that yeah i don't know i guess here we are so was your brother in these early bands too no he uh he kind of because my brother were three me and my brother three and a half years apart okay so you know that it doesn't sound like that much when you're an adult but when you're like in high school and middle school you know it's it might as well be like fucking 20 you know yeah so. it's one
1: thing to get underage drinks when you're like 16 but when your brother's 13 that's a little right a little
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was all, he was always in other other bands and um and he had a band that kind of it, it was kind of a similar situation but the, his his high school band had a lot more success than mine did oh, um really? Yeah, they actually put out a couple of records and they, they were signed they were signed to Fat Possum at one point and um and then signed to what was that other label they signed to. But yeah, they did some they did a, a few things and they were like um they were together for a long time. But um yeah, so we were never doing stuff kind of at the never doing the same thing. Only in the past like few years have I um, has he been really like playing with me and uh well he had come on tours with me and stuff before, but Definitely. Over this past two years, we've been like actually doing a lot of the writing and stuff together. So it's been cool to have him involved. But yeah, growing up, we never really um, we never really did much of anything together. And um, so now, um, but my mom would always like try to get us to do stuff, and we were always like, "Shut up, mom!" <laughs> so, so so now, mom's I think pretty stoked.
1: Sounds like a mom thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So how did you come up with the name Bass Drum of Death? Well, my, um, I had a friend who was living down the street at the time that I was like pounding the bass drum and like kind of playing a Jake leg version of a one man band, like basically just a bass drum, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so he had a project that he was doing like up the street and it was called, uh, Dent May and his magnificent ukulele. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So I was like, and we were both kind of doing the same thing, like recording our stuff with USB mics and that sort of stuff. And, um, wow. and so I was like, what can I do? Like, I want to, you know, make my name like the opposite of that or whatever. So I decided to call it John Barrett's bass drum of death. And, uh, (laughs) so I think, yeah, I think once I started like playing, you know, as a two piece and like with real drums and like started being a real band, I was like, well, I can either go, I can either stick with bass drum of death or I can like stick with my name. And I was like, the name's kind of like my, my, just my name is kind of boring. So, um, at least, at least some people, I uh, think, if they hear the name Bass Drum of Death, they'll be like, "Oh, what is that?" So. Oh
1: yeah, when um, you opened up for Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, it really uh, kind of stuck with me. In fact, I've yeah. I've seen BRMC I think four times, and you're the only opening band that I remember.
2: Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, that was a really really fun tour. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happened on that tour, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun one. Those guys are awesome.
1: Oh yeah, um, they're my favorite band. And uh, they've been on a few times in the podcast, so. Oh, cool! Yeah, they've been.
2: Yeah, awesome I've seen. I've, I've seen Robert a couple of times since that tour, and I think he he just did like a score for some movie that's about some big time movie that's about to come out. I can't remember yeah. the name of it. Ah, uh, the, the Card poster. Counter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I like think it. it's a
1: Scorsese flick. I think.
2: Yeah, it was, it was like yeah, you know, because he'll go you know two years without posting anything or, or anything like that. You know, I haven't spoken; it's been a long time, but. Yeah, he was, like, posting a bunch of stuff about that. I was like, oh, shit, this looks pretty major. This is awesome.
1: What was the scene, like, in Oxford when you started? I mean, was it a good place for, uh, uh, you know, indie bands to play, being a college town?
2: Yeah, it was great. You know, I think when I started, you know, I mean, that was still, it was still, like, very, like, in the MySpace era, you know? So we were, like, booking our own tours and stuff like that and, like, kind of doing one of those, you know, we'd play a show with a band from a certain place and then they'd return the favor with a show that in their hometown or whatever so you know it was it was really good and there was all there was a lot of people like most of my friends like we were all in bands and they have you know there's all sorts of things going on and then later on like once we once we all had put out a, a couple of records or you know one right, yeah we all lived in this big like house venue called the dude ranch which had this huge it was like built originally to be like a boys and girls club. Like, okay. so it has this uh, room that was meant to be like a bunk room. Um, like it looked like a hunting camp, like bunk house or whatever. Right, yeah. So we would have shows in there and, um, you know, basically book it and it would be, you know, like 10 bucks and like, bring your own beer. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty wild. Like we had Grimes played there once, oh, uh, wow. we had like Jeff, Jeff the brotherhood Re- real estate played there a couple of times. Man. Um, I don't think Mac DeMarco ever played there, but we would always like he, whenever he played in Oxford, we would always party there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so it was a it was a pretty pretty sick little uh, setup there. But um, yeah, so the scene was really good. Kind of when I was when everything was kind of going on. I guess well, probably probably my first, I guess my first three records was really when I was there. I think I, I moved to New York like right after my third record. Okay. Yeah
1: was being a professional musician always on your mind and uh when did you realize that you could actually do this for a career
2: um i don't know i mean that's still (laughs) i'm still not really sure now (laughs) um especially given the you know the last like year and a half or two but um you know it's just always it's it's always something new going on but um yeah, I don't know. I don't think you ever. I think you're always just trying to hustle and figure out different ways to make it fun and make it worth. I mean, not only my time, but everybody's time that plays with me. You know, because it's a big, it's a big commitment, and uh, you know, it's a little. You know, as you get a little bit older, it's it starts. You start having a lot more real world responsibilities than you did when you were twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, you know, for sure. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess every day is just a grind, and try to try to do something every day that um, that furthers the whole project.
1: So, how did the first album come about? I mean, were you sending demos out, or did Fat Possum approach you?
2: Well, I had worked there, and uh, I'd worked there, and they had put out a seven inch for me back in like two
0: thousand and eight.
2: Of like really kind of shitty touring and um you know like basically touring in my Corolla and uh <laughs> you know just a bunch of bunch of those where you're like you know drive for 9 hours and play to four people oh yeah and, uh, just a, a bunch of that sort of stuff and I'd had like Oh, uh, and I, did, I just kept recording songs and recording songs and this is you know obviously this is like kind of before Spotify or anything too
0: mm-hmm.
2: so it was kind of hard for people. Like people could just listen to you on MySpace, and it really didn't. I just, uh, I never like really thought about the like record part of it that much. I just wanted to go like tour. Right. And so but but I looked up and I was like, yeah, nobody's coming to my shows because nobody knows who the fuck I am because I don't have a record out. (laughs) Like nobody's going to you know, so I kind of looked up one day and just basically had like 11 songs. So I started sending it, I started sending it to, um, to people and really didn't get a whole lot of interest at all. And uh, so there was this one guy, this guy that ran like a really small label in New York. It was called Inflated Records, and uh, he was gonna do. He was gonna press it and do a. Um, it was gonna be originally gonna be like a 300 press, and that was it. And I think like Get Found like got like was on Pitchfork or something, or got like like got blown up on there or something like that. it's got a little bit easier so fat Possum like came and wanted to um wanted to do it and uh so we kind of worked that out from there but yeah because that was like kind of you know what i wanted originally and um so it just made it a little bit easier and so then from there on it just kind of everything just kind of went
1: so So. did you do everything yourself with that record produce mix and do everything or was there anybody else involved
2: yeah, I did the first one myself. I think my brother helped me on Get Found, and he always likes to he always likes to remind me <laughs> of that. He's like, you know, you didn't do it all yourself. <laughs> uh, so he helped me record that one. But yeah, everything else I did I did completely by myself. Yeah, the first GB City and uh, the self titled I did by myself.
1: Wow! And they just through USB mics and and you. Yeah, I really, just used wow. it was like
2: a little like a little snowball. It looks like this. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, I pretty much just used that, and I had—I think I I did—I really don't think I used any other mics. Yeah, I mean, at that point, that was all I knew how to use. I mean, now there's like—I mean—all that technology has gotten way better in the past years, and it's gotten a lot easier to use. So, but at the time, like, all I really knew or cared about knowing was like just plugging that thing in and to GarageBand and basically making it work like a four-track.
1: That's amazing. It's got such a great. 60s garage rock sound it's so so cool it's really awesome
2: yeah thanks man yeah um you know it um it was one of those things where i think a lot of times i might have just got i might have just have gotten lucky (laughs) just on like getting you know just because drum sounds are so hard and uh yeah yeah, they're just hard to get and make them sound cool and i think like whatever i don't know sometimes i mean even you'll have the same drums in the same room with the same mic and different days they'll sound different oh yeah so i think a lot a lot of times i just kind of got lucky and you know kind of went with something when it was sounding okay it definitely wasn't from using like nice equipment or anything like that so
1: (laughs) well it sounds great like you know songs like high school roaches velvet itch which i mean it sounds like it's about a topical cream for herpes or something but it's i don't think that's what it is is it
2: no it's uh well the oxford is lovingly referred to as the velvet ditch oh so it's (laughs) so it's kind of a play on words of that yeah i've never heard that okay
0: yeah (laughs)
2: But yeah, it's like I mean it's not it's not really like it's known pretty much like as that only to like townies.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But my favorite on that was- album is is I Could Never Be Your Man. That I like that a lot.
2: That's kind of a, um, that's one I always forget about. We used to play it live like years ago and haven't played it in a while, but yeah, that one's a pretty good one too. I always forget about that one.
1: <laughs> well, that's my favorite off the first album, but so when did you decide to move to New
2: York? I think it was, it was kind of, it was in the lead up to like my third record for rip this. I think I moved there like right before that came out. Okay. And, um, yeah. I was kind of just like tired. i would just gotten out of a relationship and I was in Oxford. I was like, I really don't need to be here anymore. I'm just going to try it out and see. So I moved there. Yeah. I, I just kind of decided to go up there and, and uh, kind of try something new because I'd never lived outside of Mississippi.
1: Was there a so, reason you, you wanted New York and
2: not Atlanta or LA? Or- well, I mean, yeah. Cause New York's the greatest city in the world. <laughs> then, you know, um yeah, and and also too, I just like the idea of like, basically you can move to New York with a suitcase and you're fine. You know, you yeah. don't need a lot of stuff because there's no. I mean, living in New York, there's nowhere to put any stuff. Right. So, exactly. You know, so so yeah, it was just uh, it just kind of made sense, and um, I don't know. I had a had a pretty good group of friends that was already there, and then you know the, a lot of like good friends that introduced me to a lot of other really cool people and stuff like that. It was really easy to get kind of plugged into lot of cool people and things going on
1: so it was a good experience overall then
2: yeah it was. it was it was a great great experience i'm very glad i did it but um i'm also like you know it's it, it's a grind for sure and uh that can get that can get pretty taxing okay. after a while and um you know it's also too just like the toughest thing about it for me was like having like space and time and like the energy to go like play music because you can't like make noise in your in your apartment like you can in oxford or anything like that you know you have to like you you know you share a practice space with like four other bands or something and you got a scheduled time and then you got to get there and like lug all your stuff everywhere oh yeah so it's kind of a yeah and like all the i had one good practice space that had a lot of really good light but it was like five floors up on a walk up oh Um, geez yeah and so the the rest of my other ones were in like basements which were uh, pretty kind of you know it's, it's just when you feel like you're in a hole it's yeah. not really the most like uh not not really the most to... yeah not really the most inspiring environment you know Yeah so, <laughs> Yeah so that that was kind of a bummer and uh you know the I don't know it's just um yeah it's just a different different energy and it's uh I'm but I'm definitely glad I I did it for a while but um you know it's, it is a tough place to uh, to. It's a tough place to be a musician for sure. I oh, think, you know.
1: yeah, I imagine. One of the things that I thought was cool is looking back at the artwork on the album covers, the, especially the first three. They all have kind of a New York feel to the album covers, like a Diane Arbus quality to the photos on the covers. So, you know, moving to New York sounds like it was almost like a natural thing for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, actually the the two the self-titled and ripped this those covers were both shot in new york oh, okay so yeah the the self-titled cover was just an outtake of like uh, like a backstage or like when we played like at this club called glasslands years ago and uh and then the i think the uh the ripped this cover we did at a photo studio on like spring street and uh we had to rent we had to rent a a, a decommissioned like shotgun <laughs> for that for that shoot because if you fold it out i'm holding like a football and a shotgun oh, and uh okay. yeah so we had so we went to this like prop house in like soho and we go down in this basement and there's like decommissioned like uzis and ak-47s like basically any <laughs> gun you can think of <laughs> wow so they just hand us they, they hand us this shotgun in a case and they're like all right, just bring it back in a little bit and we're like okay so then we walk out on the street and we, we're we like what are, what are we doing so we just jump in a cab this place was like two blocks away but we just jumped in the cab because we we're like i don't want to be walking around silhou with a shotgun in a case like that's not a great look
1: but jumping in a, in a cab with a shotgun isn't necessarily a good look either yeah, so. we, we, yeah
2: i think we were, we were like yeah it's a prop gun like it's not yeah but yeah. somehow we made it work but <laughs>
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Tiesta Tea. Tiesta is a tea company on a mission to create loose-leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Each tea is blended for one of five categories so you can energize, slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. My current favorite is blueberry wild chow. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, once you go loose, you never go bagged. You know what? He was right. Go to Tiestatea.com and use the promo code ANXIETY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Think you know tea? You haven't tried tea.
2: Yeah. So anyways, yeah, those, those two covers were shot in, in New York actually. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. I didn't even put that together.
1: So the sound kind of changed a little bit when Rip This, it's, it's kind of expanded a little bit, but you said that was before you, you recorded that in Mississippi.
2: So. Well, Rip This, we did in California. We did oh, it in okay. uh, Sonoma County. So I, I did the first two uh, in Mississippi and then the Third one ripped this in Sonoma County at a at a studio called Prairie Sun. Okay. It was where uh, it was where Tom Waits was like writer in residence for like ten years. Oh wow. Uh, so yeah, basically instead of a cowbell, we used like a metal pipe and banged on a radiator because there's a room called the Waits Room that's like has the craziest reverb that you'll ever hear because the whole studio is like a converted chicken barn. Oh. <laughs> And, uh, nice. Yeah, so instead of a cowbell, we used a, just a metal pipe on a radiator. Oh, man. So cool. Yeah,
1: I like the way that the, the actual reverb on the instrument, your vocals kind of lessened a little bit. And yeah. I can definitely hear an advance in the songwriting. Like, okay, Sin is 10 is awesome. Black Don't Glow. sounds like a big leap forward in, in your songwriting and the recordings and it's just i liked how you're going and i can see the progression to the next album were you still the or were you still kind of doing everything on your own at that point or were you starting to include people
2: yeah so i'd done i'd done um i basically <laughs> done all the demos kind of myself for that record but then i had a drummer play on that record my friend lynn clark played drums on that and then we actually tracked all that record live. Wow. Um, yeah, so we tracked all that stuff live, which was really cool because we didn't have like we were getting a pretty good deal at the studio, but we still didn't have like a whole lot of time and uh, and also too, the songs like we figured that was a great way to like still like kind of capture the like energy without having to do too many like do, like tricks or anything like that so. Yeah
1: did your time in New York have an influence on your songwriting at all? Do you think, has it changed because of that?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it totally did. That's the the thing about, you know, living in New York and, you know, kind of partying and, you know, going out and doing that sort of stuff is there's always shit to write about. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's always a new like sort of adventure, a situation that you'll get into that you haven't been in before, you know? So that, so that was kind of cool. And, uh, you know and just being able to kind of live there when like you're not on tour because i think so, a lot of times people get in this cycle of like going on tour and then you go do a record and then like what are you going to write about you're just going to write about being on tour yeah <laughs> and you know and a lot of times tour is like kind of is pretty fucking boring you know it's just like <laughs> venue hotel van repeat you know and every once in a while you like eat some crazy food or do something you know <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I was able to kind of mine from just like living there and stuff like that. And, uh, sort of different, like weird situations that, you know, probably were not, we not situations that I would have necessarily gotten into in Oxford.
1: Right. That makes sense. There's a four year gap between rip this and just business. Were you just playing live that time or was there other stuff going on?
2: Yeah, I mean we, we we toured a bunch on Ripdis and then um I got I guess I got back to New York and you know was kinda of gradually writing stuff. But um we had signed with a subsidiary of Sony and um so it was called uh what was it? it was called Century Media. Oh yeah and so yeah. they were like Yeah, so they were distributed by Sony and all that. So we had like a you know and I was like, okay, this is like if we're gonna do like try to do like a major label type thing like this is a great chance you know so let's it a shot so basically a lot of that time was eating up doing like demos with different people and like you know getting things uh, I mean kind of like playing ball with like the what the label wanted and uh, and the label what the label wanted and what I wanted out of the next record was pretty uh it was a pretty wide gap oh really Yeah. So it kind of took a while to like land on, on something that, uh, that worked and there was still, there's still like kind of, I don't know. It just took a while, you know, whenever you got, you know, there's all sorts of people that were on like CC and stuff that like wanted, they just wanted to make us something like different than I wanted to do.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So, yeah. So it took a while to find like a a landing zone in terms of something that kind of made us all happy. Yeah, you know, from a production and and like producer standpoint, I guess.
1: So you said, you started working with the group, I would guess it's two guys, the heavy for that album. Yeah. How did you meet those guys? Was that something that that you, you guys found or was it something that the label suggested?
2: Uh, it was, I think they, they had done a bunch of work for the label, like mostly kind of like more poppy stuff, but they had done some like heavier rock stuff. And, uh, yeah, their their like resume is pretty all over the place. Um, but the, but they're both like rock guys at heart. So like basically I think we met, I met them and um, you know, I think I met him like at a bar in New York and I ended up getting them like really drunk <laughs> and I, I mean, and I, I got drunk, I got pretty wasted myself and I was like, I like these guys let's fucking do it. And so I think I went in and did like one song and I was like, oh man, this is kind of, this is kind of the move and they're super sharp. Like um, I love working with them. Just like they always had really great ideas on like, structures and uh like harmonies and backing vocals and that sort of stuff and um yeah so it was fun and also too uh doing the record it took a while because they were working out of a studio in times square and so we would kind of do and they were doing like some other stuff in the meantime like working on a few different things at the same time so i would really only go up there like two or three days a week Ah. So, it, and I, and I was doing everything on that record, except for, uh, except for drums on too high. I played everything. Wow. So yeah, it took, it took a lot longer. It took probably like three or three and a half months to like kind of record and, um, which is kind of a while, but yeah. So that took a while too. Um, but anyways, yeah, those guys were, those guys were amazing to work with and they're super, super talented and and really fast with editing because they had to edit a lot of my drum parts. <laughs> yeah
1: well on rip this and just business you kind of handed the reins over on rip this it was produced mixed by jacob portrait and then the heavy was it hard to give the reins over after you've done everything diy for so long
2: um a little bit um but you also like it was was a little bit it's kind of hard to it was a little hard because like I couldn't be in control of everything. And and like, I couldn't twist the buttons to make things sound exactly like I wanted, but at the same time, I think it was like the, the, it was time to start like doing it, you know, kind of start progressing in that way and trying to kind of trying to explore, explore some different stuff like that. You know, like, I don't know, like, I mean, the low, I can always make like a lo-fi record, you know, I, can, I know I can do that, but like, I think it's, uh, it's probably, it was just, I took it upon myself as a challenge to try to make like a good, good studio records and, um, and just kind of work with some different people get some different input, you know, so yeah. that, that way it keeps everything from sounding too like samey and, and that sort of shit. So, well, it worked
1: because even it, the progression between uh, GBCD and Rip This is was big, but the the change in, in the sound between Rip This and Just Business is gigantic. I mean, the, the yeah. songs are amazing. I mean, you've got some incredible things like I Love You, I Think, "The Odds Are Good, Heavy. I mean, they, they're incredible songs and, and a big change from the early sound, particularly Heavy.
0: Anyway, she turned right round and she said, child, I'm gonna take you to the Lord. As she went down, Turn me.
2: I mean, I always try to, I always try to do a couple of things or have a couple of songs in there that like might surprise some people or something like that. Just to kind of just to, just to prove to myself that I can do something like that. You know what I mean? Just to be like, Oh, Hey, you can do that if you want to, but uh, it doesn't have to all be like balls to the wall, like distortion all the time, you know?
1: Right. I mean, and and you've got, okay. So like a song, like um, odds are good. And I love you. I think to me, I mean, instead of just sounding garage rock, it's got like a T Rex meets Black Rebel Motorcycle Club sound. It's just really yeah. awesome. Oh, oh.
2: yeah i think we kind of i think we kind of wanted to do you know kind of have it wasn't like a conscious decision but maybe like you know have some of those songs that like sit like in a in kind of more like mid-tempo like more of a groove rather than just like a full speed ahead sort of thing yeah Um, oh yeah and then you could like bob your head to, rather than like you could just bob not necessarily headbang you know yeah yeah we still have plenty of those we still have plenty of those (laughs) but uh yeah, you know, just kind of switch the vibe up and, um, you know, I don't know. Well, Heavy it
1: shocked me a lot when I first heard it. And I, I imagine it shocked a lot of the fans because it, I don't think you have any other song like that.
2: Yeah, people were pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I and, and it probably wasn't, you know, I think that being like our... I don't know if that was our first single or something like that. Like, that might not have been it was a definitely a, a de- definitely a move that took some I, I don't i don't know if that was necessarily the correct decision but, um, <laughs> but yeah i don't know yeah some people did not like that at all and uh man but uh, you know that's that's okay it's you great. know you don't have to like everything
1: <laughs> no and to, to me it's it's i think it's my favorite song that you've written oh wow i absolutely love that it's been in my head since you agreed to do the podcast? I've been going back and listening to oh, all please. the albums, and it's the one that gets stuck in my head the most.
2: Oh man, thanks so much. Oh. Is there more
1: progression on, in what you're working on now? Are there more songs like that, or is it going to be closer to garage rock, or is it just going to be a big mix? How do you think um, it's going to go?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's definitely been a progression in the songwriting, and you know, it's been a bunch of songs that I've been kind of kicking around. I mean, because I've had the time. Like, there's been no obviously no touring or anything yeah. or anything like that. So I've had the time to kind of kick these around. So yeah, I don't know. We we were doing it with uh, Patrick Carney from the black keys and oh, did nice. it at his, um, at his place in Nashville. So we're just kind of waiting on the mixes to get back right now, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely going to be like a, I kind of wanted a nice blend between like the clarity and, and like the, you know, the way that like, uh, the way that just business kind of sounded as a record and but then also like still have it be like gritty and like hit in all the right places just kind of like uh gb city did so trying to get like a good mix of both of those two in terms of like sound and vibe so uh, we'll see we're we're pretty fucking close at this point so I'm hoping we can we can pull it off
1: i'm really excited because i think just business is the has the catchiest songs you've ever written i mean diamond in the rough i don't want to know i don't want to know is awesome that's got this awesome like doom sludginess to it it's freaking great man i love that is the band contributing more your brothers in the band and you've got another yeah, guy. So he's,
2: he, yeah. He's been uh, helping. He's been helping kind of write and arrange. And we did, we did a, a few different rounds of like demos for all these and uh, you know, a um, couple of different sessions doing that. So we've definitely like put, I put probably more time into the demo process and like the pre-production on this one than I have on any other record. Um, wow. And then we had, uh, we recorded this one live as well. And we had our, our new drummer, Ian Kirkpatrick, come up and play the drums. Um, so we did all this stuff, all the basic tracks we did live, and then did a whole other session of like overdubs and everything like that. So it's got plenty of uh, little ear candy bits on there. We put a ton of shit
0: on there. So oh, excellent. Um,
2: yeah. So, it'll, you know, we, we definitely have a lot to play with in terms of mixing. So um, we'll see what we can work out. You've also did a
1: a one off single. With Eve Six, you were right.
0: I can see you from dead miles from here, stretching out your spine like a cheetah. I know you're not okay. how
1: how did that come together because that's a really good song
0: yeah
2: so i started i think i was like it was like an ice storm in oxford so it was like it was like seven days in a row of it being like 10 degrees and like frozen like like 10 10 inches of snow on the ground so i was like basically locked in the house and uh so basically i was just sitting there like drinking whiskey and you know his Twitter had started being like, you know, pretty like popping off and, yeah. you know, shit or you know, whatever. So I started talking shit to him and I got him to respond. I said, I said something that I knew that he would know, like something about some like producer that I know that he's probably worked with or like, you know, something like that. Okay. And, uh, so basically started kind of talking shit to him and uh then it kind of got to be this whole thing and like his fans are like going yelling at me and all this shit and uh so i woke up the next day and had a big hangover and my girlfriend was she was up before me and she was like what the fuck did you do last night on twitter and i was like oh yeah she was like yeah i was like yeah i should probably like dm that dude and you know tell him like sorry or whatever so at the end, and I was like, man, it wasn't mean anything. I was just, you know, drunk and popping off. Like, you know, and he was like, he was like, damn it. I wanted to like, not like you guys, but I listened to you guys and you guys fucking rule. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so we kind of were joking and we were like, yeah, like it'd be hilarious. If we like ended up doing a song or doing a tour or something out of this. And I was like, well, I have this instrumental that I can't really figure out what to do on. And I don't think it really fits with any of the other stuff that I've been kind of writing. So I sent it to him and, you know, basically within the week we had, we had put it out already. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So, so, yeah. So we basically, yeah, we went from like beefing on Twitter to like putting out a song in less than a week. Oh my gosh. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So, so that was fun. And that was, and that, yeah, that was one of those things that I had kind of done like a one-off sort of instrumental that I didn't really know where it fit. And then like I sent it to him and he was like, I know exactly what to do. And like, he sent it back to me and I was like, Oh yeah, this is going to fucking rip. So Oh man, it does. Yeah, it, was cool to do, it was cool to do something like, like that, that, um, you know, just to kind of keep people remind people that we're still here, you yeah. know, because you know, there's not really that many ways to do that, especially over the majority of the pandemic when you couldn't play shows or anything like that and like yeah. i'm really not a huge fan of like the live stream shows i mean i think those are i mean whatever works for whatever works for you as a band or whatever but it was just gonna that's just not really something that i was like super stoked about yeah um, doing but
1: anyways some of them don't work out so well i mean you get streaming issues buffering th- issues it's just you know sometimes yeah it's just...
2: and, and the other thing is like it's hard to especially when you have stuff like that it's hard to like really justify asking people to pay for it or yeah. something like that you know what i mean and it's still it, it still costs to like put those things on and like have them be good quality you yeah know? and you're just
1: playing so, with empty rooms so you, you're not
2: yeah yeah that's the, that's the other thing it's like the whole it's like the antithesis of what a live show is supposed to be it's just like <laughs> yeah. no no energy low energy and you know i don't know it just wasn't something I was very keen on. So it was cool to be able to do some stuff like, like something like that with max. It was like super quick and, and fun. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe if you're doing an acoustic based on a death set, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know how yeah, well that, was, that would
2: work. We did one, we did one of those type things that like South by Southwest, like years and years ago, maybe like 2011 or 2012. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ever doing anything like that again. <laughs>
0: so,
2: yeah. We're not This ain't. This ain't it.
1: Yeah what's touring like for you guys is it it's is it all still diy a lot and, and getting things putting things in and out yourself and and, and you got any good memories of touring or, or horrible disasters that have happened
2: um yeah i don't know i mean it's been so long we haven't played a show it's, since december 2019 so wow and the, the last tour we did before that was in australia we did uh, three shows in australia or four i think yeah four um but yeah so it's been, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, it's kind of all a blur. It's, um, after a while, I mean, there's a few like sort of hilarious things that have happened, but, um, you know, like our, our drummer got his, he had his passport in his back pocket as we were on the like bus to the hotel to like fly back from France. And we had to start a new tour in like three days after we got home. And so, um, he got his passport stolen right before we were supposed to fly home so we basically had to go to the airport like right when it opened and just beg everybody to let us back in without a passport it was also like over like a long holiday weekend so like the u.s embassy wasn't open there was just like no way to do it so we were gonna have to either like postpone the like tour which we had like we were touring with another band that was from australia in the u.s so it would have just thrown so many things out of whack if wow. that wouldn't have that would have like gone down differently. So luckily, somehow he was able to fly back into the U.S. without a passport. Oh my which god, like, which is pretty bonkers. No, but he had to go. He, he had to go through like crazy security stuff and background checks and all sorts of stuff. But like, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty wild. Um, But yeah, that's the only. I mean, there's been a ton of other like little close calls, but that that was like probably the most major one, I think.
1: Do you have a process to writing music? I mean, or do you make yourself sit down and write or demo or anything? Or is it just when stuff hits you?
2: I usually kind of, uh, I'll get ideas or something like that, like throughout the day of little things. And I'll like, you usually do a stupid little voice memo of something like whether it be like a bassline or a little drum beat or something like, like that okay and then when i can get back and sit down with like a guitar on a drum set like then i'll kind of start fleshing it out and just kind of build it from there but usually it always just starts with like something that's like knocking around in my head and um, i just try to always have that voice memo thing kind of handy
1: is there anything that influences the music like i I think i I think (laughs) i i heard that you had an interest in noir and the real housewives any any of that ever make it into your into?
2: Your... No, 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 no Real Housewives or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that's that's a, yeah, I don't know. It's Usually just kind of inspired by just stuff I'm hearing uh, just throughout the day or stuff. Um, you, you know, I don't know. I try to I try to listen to a bunch of different stuff and watch a bunch of different stuff. So I'll usually uh, kind of um, pick up a few little tidbits of things here and there, like all sorts of different shit. So
1: is there? Um any plans that things are starting to open up to get back out on the road anytime soon?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, nothing on the books at the moment, but, um, I mean, hopefully, hopefully pretty soon just kind of depends on what the timetable is going to look like for this record. And, uh, but once we know that we'll be able to, we'll be able to kind of plan some stuff and, and hopefully get back it, out there and hit it pretty, pretty hard.
1: Well, I hope so. Cause I'd, I, I want to see you guys again. I mean, yeah yeah i'd love you guys I did too. DC, been like, right?
2: it's been it's been like a almost two years since i've played a show so it'd be, yeah. i want to i want to play too. like i'm hoping i'm hoping it's like riding a bike i hope i didn't forget how to do it so
1: yeah <laughs> i think i'm I'm confident you'll be all right
2: yeah yeah should
1: be good. <laughs> well man i've kept you a while and thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting with me uh absolutely where can people follow you on Twitter, Instagram, any other? Yeah, it's all, just,
2: it's all just at Bass Drum of Death. It's, uh, it's pretty easy. That's it. Very easy. And yeah, and, and we're pretty easy Google too. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm
1: hoping that we uh, get some news about a new album pretty soon, man. So thank you. Again. Yeah, me too. Thanks again, man. Hotty Toddy. Hope you guys do all right tonight.
2: Absolutely. We, we already lost, but uh, oh, yeah, so no we're... worries. You know, it's a long season. And it's, it's Marquette season. too. Kind of yeah yeah they're good
1: thank you so yeah. much man
2: All right. cool. well, thank you. Thank you.